Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet Neurology podcast. I'm Patricia Lobo and today we are talking about a policy view discussing how stakeholder cooperation can help development of treatment for rare diseases using advances in Duchenne muscular dystrophy therapy as an example, published on June the 6th. I'm pleased to be joined by authors Elizabeth and Anamike. Welcome both. Could you give us your affiliations, please? I'm Annemieke Aartsma-Rus. I work at the Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands, and I'm a professor of translational genetics. I am Elizabeth Room. I'm the mother of a 25-year-old uh, young man with Duchenne. I'm the chair of the worldwide organization United Parent Project, and I also lead the Dutch branch of Duchenne Parent Could you briefly explain how you came to write this policy view and what you hope it will achieve? Okay, so the Duchenne field has um, gone through a very steep learning curve over the past decade. And we've been doing research for much longer um, and, and mainly paid for by the, by the patient organizations. About 10 years ago, uh, we came to the point where the potential therapies were ready to be tested in clinical trials in, in patients. And we then discovered that doing clinical trials is a new skill and that we required specific tools and that for Duchenne, we had not yet developed those tools. And uh, in 2009, Treat MD, a, a network for, to develop infrastructure for therapy development for neuromuscular diseases, organized a stakeholder meeting with patient organizations and industry and academics, which was hosted by the regulators, the European Medicine Agency. And this was really key to raise awareness of what was needed. Natural history, and well, we thought we knew the natural history, but we didn't realize the, the detail that we needed. Um, also outcome measures, so how do we test that the drug works? and more importantly, the natural history of these outcome measures without testing a drug. And so we then became aware of what we didn't have, and together with the patient communities, we have been working very hard to develop the, the tools and to collect the missing data. And um, this, this effort has been facilitated by additional EU funding. So we had funding from the Cooperation of Science and Technology cost and the SP7 project Scope D&D. And that helped to fund meetings with the regulators, but again also the patient organizations, to discuss the, the, the results and to assess whether we were on the right track. And this paper really is about the, the journey that we went through um, to get to the point where we are now, because we realized that this same route will have to be taken also by other rare diseases. And so we thought it could be useful also to prevent the other rare diseases from making our mistakes. So be ready when clinical trials come and don't uh, have to develop your outcome measures when you're at the point of doing a clinical trial. And also um, we wanted to underline the importance of working with all the stakeholders uh, together for rare diseases. What treatments are currently available for Duchenne muscular dystrophy? So in, in Europe, there's currently one uh, therapy approved for Duchenne uh, by the EMA, and that's etalurum. Uh, this therapy only applies to patients with a specific type of mutation, a so-called nonsense mutation, and this is only 13% of the patients. But furthermore, the approval is with the label, so it's only approved for patients who are over 5 years old and still ambulant. So this is even a subgroup of a subgroup. Um, and uh, even though etalurum is conditionally approved, by the EMA, it's not yet available in each country because the marketing has to be done on a country-by-country -country basis. For all other patients, there is no therapy yet. Nevertheless, a lot has been achieved with improved care. So 50 years ago, the uh, average life expectancy of a Duchenne boy would be 15 to 16 years, and most patients would die of respiratory failure. Now we have multidisciplinary care, 
involving many different disciplines like physiotherapy, orthopedics, respiratory care, cardiac care, uh, and now patients remain ambulant longer and life expectancy has gone up to about 30 to 35 years. One of the many challenges of Duchenne muscular dystrophy treatment and clinical trials that you discuss in your policy view is the variation in care standards between countries and even between different centres within the same country. How can we improve this? So Treated um, D and the patient organisations have developed care guidelines for Duchenne together with the Centre for Disease Control in the US. And these guidelines were published in The Lancet in 2009. And what we've also done is made a, a family guide. This has been prepared and translated into 23 languages. Um, and there's additional translation still ongoing. And all this information is available on the Treat NMD website. And these are our most downloaded documents, both by clinicians and by, by patients. And we also continue to raise awareness uh, with the clinicians and with the, with the parents about the care they should be provided and the care that they should receive. And the Center for Disease Control is currently updating these guidelines. Nevertheless, many patients still receive suboptimum care, and we really need to evaluate who receives which care, and we need to continue to educate clinicians. And treating MD and patient organizations have organized also master classes and outreach events um, to, to, to teach clinicians uh, about care, but it's an ongoing effort together with the patient community. Yes, also because a lot of the care for the Shen patients takes place at home. So there's another duty to do for the patient organizations also to give appropriate information to the families themselves to know exactly what to do and what kind of care to, uh, to ask. Could you tell us a bit more about the prime initiative for priority medicines that was launched by the European Medicines Agency early this year? Yeah, so drug developers can apply for primes or the priority medicine uh, initiative uh, for medicinal products uh, of a major public health interest. So for instance, medicinal um, products that have the potential to address an unmet medical need. Um, data is required, data on both preclinical and clinical um, experiments to back up the potential of the new therapy. And potential therapies that are selected as a priority medicine will benefit from a continuous support from the EMA and its scientific uh, committees from an early stage uh, in the prime initiative. And the aim is really to raise awareness with the developers of the therapy about what is required to get drug approval, but also about the availability of tools for, for drug development and, and, and regulatory authorization mechanisms. And the hope is, of course, that this will accelerate drug development and assessment. And I think as such, you can maybe see it as a more structured form of the experience that we had for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Of course, the difference is that we had a focus on the disease, while here the focus is on, on drugs. But nevertheless, when you develop outcome measures for a certain drug in a certain disease, these outcome measures will also be useful to test other therapeutics uh, that are in development. In April, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence in the UK recently approved atelurin for treatment of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. This seems to be a step in the right direction, but is it enough? Well, it is indeed a step in the right direction, and as we all say, it's nice that NICE decided this. However, um, it is still insecure for the families how exactly this is going to work out, so that is kind of the first uh, concern. But the second is that, again, um, NICE will look at data, data of patients treated and also data of, of other patients, even patients with another mutation, and, and kind of collect data again. So you can imagine that everybody wants to collect data on their own, but the question is, 
if this is what we are looking for in the Duchenne world, that first EMA goes through all data and clinical trials and everything, and then HCA bodies start to um, have their own analysis, and in, this looks even like their own trial, let's say, again. So that is a little concern, but also that it is really in every country, again, different. We would have loved as a patient community and parent community that if reimbursement is arranged, it's done in for all European countries and not different rules for different countries. Do you think the requirements for regulatory approval of treatments for rare diseases such as Duchenne muscular dystrophy should be different because of the nature of the disease and the fact that the cost-benefit is so hard to demonstrate? Yes, well, in fact, there are two different things. I mean, the regulators don't look at the cost-benefit, but they look at the benefit-risk. But I think it is indeed difficult to go from a blockbuster to a, a, an orphan drug. However, we see that like EMA is really working hard to find all ways that they can assist in organizing the whole drug development, uh, give advice there, um, like with the prime we just said, but also other initiatives to give protocol assistance and help in other ways to see how smooth this can be organized. Nevertheless, um, we as Duchenne families see that the drug and the advice for the drug and how to uh, organize the trial goes through very many different bodies. Also national, you go to the ethics committees national, they might have commands and send you to the left, then you go to the EMA, they might send you a little bit more to the right, and then again, HCA might have questions a little bit more to the left. So there's a kind of consistency from A to Z, let's say, in what is required. And the other is that we feel like protocol assistance, so having really optimal trials uh, discussed early with regulators, but also with families is really important. So we would love to see that protocol assistance, like now is provided by the EMA, would be an obligation instead of a possibility. And also that if this is performed, that uh, uh, inviting patients or patient representatives is, is standard. It's not only an option, but it's standard. So I think that's important. And the other is, as I already said, we, we want to um, uh, have this whole trajectory uh, harmonized as much as possible, which also means that we would love the EMA and the FDA to harmonize their efforts. How could the US and Europe work better on Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and are there any truly global ongoing initiatives? Um, well, so the, the Treatment MD network that I mentioned already earlier, it started out as a European um, union network of excellence, uh, but it's been sustained beyond the funding period, and it's now a global effort. Um, so we have representatives from around the world, also from, from the U.S., and actually in October we will have a, a chairman from the U.S. So we work together with researchers and clinicians and patient organizations, both in Europe and the U.S., but also the rest of the world. And the similar um, uh, initiatives are ongoing also for the patient community. Well, certainly a step in the right direction, but it seems there is still a lot more to be done. Thanks very much, Elizabeth and Anamike, and thank you all for listening. See you next time.